and welcome to another episode of the C4 Podcast. This is Fuad Sander. With me is Alexei Ermakov from Moscow. Alexei, hi. How are you doing today? Hi, Fuad. Um, doing well, thank you, and happy to, to be on this podcast. I know that it's been already quite a number of people who've introduced themselves properly to the cohort. So today is my turn. Um, so I'm Alexey, and I'm originally from Russia, but I've lived abroad for quite a number of years. Um, I'm currently based um, in Russia, in my hometown, uh, but I spent about seven years in Singapore, and um, up until recently, um, I was based actually in Poland, in Krakow, mm. for about three years. Um, so... Um, uh, literally, uh, I moved to, um, I started sort of my broad adventure when I was 23 years old. Um, my first education was received here in Russia, and I studied economics and management. This is something that uh, really sort of interested me, um, and I wanted to get into, into the corporate uh, world. Uh, but the time when I graduated, it was 2008, Many of you probably remember what happened around September. Exactly. And I was actually in the banking sector. (laughs) Yeah, the sector that that created the problem. (laughs) It was a pretty short story for me in terms of building my career in the the banking and finance. Hmm. So I moved to Singapore in 2009. And I think it was just kind of a right move because Asia, and especially those hubs like Hong Kong, Singapore, were also affected by the crisis. But Asia was recovering much faster, and it became clear that um, Asia was kind of becoming a, um, as an engine of global economy. So for me, it was uh, an amazing time to be on that, I would say, uh, ideal island, mm. city-state Singapore, um, which was... Uh, growing, developing, and see the growth of the economy of the country, how it was developing and applying all those technologies. It was just amazing. It was really magnificent, I would say. Um, so that's um, so that that was the place where I started my career. And as initially planned, um, I wanted to get into the banking and finance, but I ended up being in the human resources, or I should specify in the recruitment industry. But here I should say with still primary domain focus on the financial services. Um, So I spent about seven years. Um, It was an amazing experience. I met um, lots of great people. Many of them became my friends. And um, actually I came back last week from our yearly trip this this year, um, our Singapore connection friends um, got together in Budapest in Hungary, yes. and then we traveled there for a week. Sounds, so sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, um, and after that, um, back in 2015, I felt um, I had enough of sort of Asia of Singapore, and I also wanted to take a sabbatical break for about one year. Um, that's when I didn't work and I moved to this part of the world. I was based um, was based in Russia, but traveled frequently within Europe. And then I've been to Africa as well. Yes, I, I, this is the part that I was most um, 
curious about. <laughs> so from, for the, from what I've seen, you've, you've gone to uh, Vietnam, Thailand, Zimbabwe, Italy, Switzerland, Greece, Germany, France, Spain, <laughs> Belarus, back to Russia. That, that, that's right. So um, I sort of, um, I resigned. I, I resigned from um, my job at um, Egan Zender, uh, which is um, organizational advisory firm where I worked for four years, my, my last four years in Singapore. And I was still based in Singapore, but um, I decided to travel a bit in Asia. So I traveled as the backpacker in Vietnam from the north to the south. And then I traveled uh, in Thailand as well. And December, it was uh, just one day before Christmas, um, I moved to Russia. So I left Singapore for good. Mm. It was very end of 2015. And then when I was already based here, I was much closer to, to Europe, uh, clearly into Africa. I had a trip with my friends in Africa where we did safari in Zimbabwe. Um, we explored um, Victoria Falls. Uh, we went to Zambia. It was a good trip. And um, I made quite a number of trips uh, in Europe, like Italy, Switzerland, France, Germany. Uh, during some of those trips, I was basically visiting my friends. And clearly, uh, um, once you're based here like in Europe, uh, in, in western part of Russia, in Moscow, so you take a flight and it takes two, three hours, and then you can be anywhere across Europe. So it's a different story um, as opposed to when I was based in Singapore, which is on the other side of the globe, I would say. Mm. Um, yeah, and it was up until summer 2016 when I was offered a job with UBS. Um, many of you may know it's a well-established bank. It's a originally a Swiss bank. Mm. When they invited me uh, to join their team in Krakow in Poland, which was quite a surprise to me. And uh, they just told me like, well, take your time to think about it because they realized that Krakow and Poland wasn't really on my list. Mm. I was actually thinking about um, finding potential career opportunities somewhere either in London or perhaps Zurich. Uh, but the role and the offer was very interesting. And I thought, well, why not? Uh, Eastern Europe, it could be an interesting experience even for a couple of years. Uh, so September 2016, I moved to Krakow to Poland. And and may, may, I, may I interrupt and, and ask? Yeah, sure. So you've, you've taken that career break after a, a number of years in Singapore. You go back to Russia right. and then you get an offer from UBS. How did that happen? <laughs> now, because you, you're, you're polling on, on, uh, on HR uh, questions these days. So I'm interested on, on yeah. that, that tactic. How did that work? Well, I, you know, well the, the thing is when I was based um, in Singapore, um, and when I worked for Egon Zender, Egon Zender is considered as a very well-established executive search or, I don't know, recruitment advisor firm, you can call it that way. It's very global. And even despite the fact that I was based in Singapore, I worked, um, in fact, I worked on over 50 plus projects for financial institutions and even, um, even organizations like the World Bank, for example, mm. uh, where I was involved in regional Asia Pacific or broadly global projects when I partner with my colleagues um, who are based in Zurich, New York, London. 
So it's the firm where you can get actually a global exposure. Another thing, Egon Zender is a Swiss firm originally with headquarters in Zurich and um, two biggest financial institutions in Switzerland, UBS and Credit Suisse. Usually they're quite aware of people of Egon Zender and they know what they can do and it's always like some kind of a hunt hmm. going on for people from Egon Zender, I would say, or I would say they, they value that experience. Um, yeah, that's how I was approached. Um, but my plan actually was not to, to stay in Russia. I was just thinking about exploring opportunities in Europe and moving eventually somewhere in Europe. And that sort of, that happened hmm. with this offer from UBS. Hmm. That's interesting. And then you spent there almost two years and a half. Yeah, that, that's why. That was um, why I took this opportunity. I also felt that uh, being on an agency side with an external provider, it's a great, a good experience. But I always wanted to have proper in-house recruitment experience. And UBS as a proper established financial institution um, was definitely of interest to me. So I didn't have actually many hesitations. Uh, apart from that, I was sort of kind of virtually, well, not physically based there, but I was part of, um, of a virtual recruitment team dedicated to UBS Investment Bank. So I worked very closely with my colleagues in Hong Kong, Singapore, London, Zurich, Frankfurt. I traveled frequently to all those locations. And by being based in, in uh, Krakow, I had actually a responsibility um, to work co closely with the management in, in the EMEA region, plus mm. Asia Pacific, given my heritage and sort of knowledge of that region. So it was a brilliant role, interesting experience, um, but I felt like it was time to conclude that sort of, uh, that venture, that stint with UBS. It was um, partly driven by by the fact that I was admitted for this program. And secondly, I felt that um, UBS and in general, the financial services and banking environment um, has changed significantly recently and it continues to change. And I felt that it's not probably to, to try something different. Hmm. And, and what would that be? <laughs> that's that's a um, pretty interesting, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's well, you pro you probably know what what's been happening in terms of the financial services with the rise of the blockchain technologies, digital banks, um, all technologies ventures that are actually even coming into the HR or recruitment space. I see that big corporations probably, and I can judge uh, by UBS, they are being challenged by smaller, more um, entrepreneur-driven, innovation-driven companies that are much faster, quicker when it comes to applying innovations. And I felt because of the size of some companies like UBS, they're um, kind of slow when it comes to applying technologies and innovations due to many factors. So they're quite big and bureaucratic, right? Um, some of them, they're heavily regulated environments, uh, especially when we are talking about banks. Um, I felt that it was a great experience, but I would like to, to do something different, to work probably in a more 
startup-like uh, entrepreneurship-driven environment. And mm. I felt that studies um, at HSA would definitely help me with this. Of course, of course. That's, that's a very... Uh, it's a very good way to be looking at it because yes, the, the, every industry seems to be changing. Now, my point of view, I don't think the big banks are going anywhere. Are they going to take a hit? Probably. You've probably seen uh, banks like M26 that are all digital scaling with minimal investment. Uh, granted, that is a significant investment on, on behalf of any corporation, but when compared to the number of buildings and branches, et cetera, et cetera, the traditional banks, but it's uh, marginal. And uh, I, I would, yeah, I would, I would say you're right to to be thinking that there is a paradigm shift going on in these industries. Um, and uh, of course, if you don't, my view is this is the right time for you to go into something as demanding as a startup or an entrepreneurial venture and see how it goes from there. Yeah, no, I agree with you in terms of the banks will stay, but what I can see that all those big giants, uh, big financial institutions, be those insurance companies or banks like JP Morgan, UBS, um, they will have to change and they will look different in three, five years time. And what was striking to me when I was working with, um, with teams, with senior management of UBS Investment Bank, and of course I was talking to candidates who are based in Indonesia, India, Switzerland, Germany, across Eurasia, I actually realized that appetite is much slower now um, from people to join investment bank, for example, five, 10 years ago, people will be, will be queuing to take those kind of jobs. And I see something is changing. Hmm. Um, they are less excited for, for, um, for many reasons. One of those reasons is definitely gone those days uh, when bankers were getting uh, high salaries and uh, fat bonuses. They're really gone. Hmm. You can see that. So a lot happening without help of banks and especially M&A bankers and these kind of advisors, it's changing, it's happening. Of course, they will stay, but they will be kind of reshaped. I can, I can see this. Secondly, also from, from the HR perspective, I can see how um, UBS and some other big um, cor corporates um, do recruit people. And I think they're a bit slow in terms of applying and adopting technologies and actually even changing approach when it comes to all aspects of the recruitment process. And I felt many things are quite inefficient, but they're not really challenged or they're challenged, but not so much. So the status quo still remains there. And uh, that, that's why I think that HR tech or recruitment tech companies have um, have a lot have, have, have too many many opportunities in terms of disrupting those kind of old models mm, mm, indeed 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 and and what I see now is many corporations are doing their recruitment uh, straight to to the candidates they're 
they're basically using platforms like LinkedIn to find uh, the ideal candidates, connect with them and, and invite them for interviews. Uh, circumventing many of the middlemen. Yeah, so uh, things are changing. That, that's right. And it, it's not just uh, so much, um, I feel, um, in, like generally, the approach should be changed from, um, from reactive recruitment, um, or I would say from reactive hiring to more like proactive recruitment, where people should, um, and companies should target people who would be culturally fit and who might not be actually available right now, but could be potentially good candidates for the future. Uh, plus there are many other aspects that I've noticed that they haven't been actually tackled by big institutions. One of them, for example, is diversity and inclusion. Hmm. How biased many sort of algorithms and systems and humans are, especially when it comes to considering candidates, mm -hmm. um, which in turn, I think that doesn't add much value to those um, institutions. So it's happening, it's changing. And uh, many teams, recruitment and HR teams at big uh, institutions, they're, uh, they're aware of that, mm. but the change is slow and, um, Interestingly enough, uh, when I attended Viva Technology in May in Paris, um, I, I was actually glad to see there is a rise of HR and recruitment startups coming in and actually mushrooming here and there. And um, I believe that the change is happening, uh, is coming. And I think the, this is the way to go forward in terms of to, to change the whole approach to recruitment, I would say. That's that's uh, that's very very interesting. Uh, probably requires a lot of uh, deep thinking to consider, you know, how everything is going to affect what we're doing ultimately. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm going to jump to uh, to to take you a little bit away from from your career and talk about what your hobbies are, what you're interested in. Other well, than traveling now that, now that we've covered this. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you probably notice, I love traveling and this is my sort of addiction. Mm. Uh, whenever I have time, a few days, uh, I would always check where I could potentially go. So I like traveling and exploring new places and cultures. Um, apart from that, um, I'm really into sports. Um, I love running. And I would like actually to run full marathon and uh, I'm aiming to do this. Um, I think it's going to be Europe hmm. next year. Um, apart from that, um, well, I, I still like sort of the financial services in general in that world. And uh, usually my day starts with reading Bloomberg Financial Times. <laughs> I really like it. Uh, that, uh, that, I mean, that's good for you. Uh, I would never do that in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really like it always to check uh, state of things, especially in the global economy. So that's, uh, that's sort of my genuine interest. Um, mm -hmm. um, that's, uh, that's pretty much it about my... Uh, my sort of uh, hobbies and passion. I like read when I have time. 
um, not so much um, in terms of the business and strategy, but more um, about novels and discovering new authors, um, I would say. Mm, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much it. Mm, that's, that's interesting. I'll, I'll get back to the novels in a bit. <laughs> uh, I, I'm curious about these, but uh, let, let's, let's go to one of the uh, questions that people are usually inter mostly interested to hear about. Failure. Tell us about your lowest point in, in, during your career or, or any of your ventures. Well, one of them was actually, um, it, it wasn't actually my failure. It was a global economy failure. It was uh, hmm. eight. Um, I, I planned to be in the banking and finance and that's where I saw myself um, for many years. And it just happened at the beginning of my career when I joined one of top 10 uh, banks in Russia by, by assets when I say top 10 and it was August 2008 uh, September 2008 Lehman Brothers and all of that it was a domino effect across uh, the US Europe Russia all the way to Asia early October uh, the management of the bank said look last in first out they're cutting um, workforce by roughly 50% so I do remember that day when I was going back home and think what next because you actually realize at some point that all your plans have been ruined <laughs> yeah so that was a failure and it was a good lesson for me it was a good lesson that we shouldn't be planning like for, for the next like three five years it's good to have a plan but we should be ready for anything to happen mm -hmm. it helped a lot it helped a lot because even these days, my friends and my parents, they ask me about something like, look, I don't know what's going to happen in six months. See how it goes. I roughly have this idea and plan where I'm moving to, but we should be more agile and yes. adjust. Yes, definitely. Anything can happen definitely. in our lives. So that was um, one of those failures, but it wasn't really my failure. Uh, the most recent failure at UBS when I was implementing one of their sort of uh, strategy and tools in terms of how to do more and how to develop talent pools and to um, increase uh, proactive recruitment as opposed to um, reactive hiring. And it failed due to probably my expectations that everyone would chip in, chip in everyone would uh, give their buy-in and participate equally. But actually you realize that different people have different appetite within a corporate and sometimes you need more encouragement and probably maybe providing more evidence and justification that it's going to work and it's going to help all of us. So convincing people is very important and it's not an easy task. Yeah, and sometimes more follow-up, you know, because people that don't like to do things that, you know, that's whatever the thing is. If, if, it's, uh, if it's some extra work in a corporation, they'll try and avoid it. But uh, yeah. what you said about not planning too far ahead, I, I totally relate to because in, in the beginning of my career, I uh, faced a lot of 
failure in 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 the word in, in in the sense that my plans did not work out. Now, I ultimately got to many of my goals, but I had to change a lot of plans. I pivoted a lot here and there, and it's uh, it's naive to think that the world is going to follow your plan, you know, and it's it, it's proper. I, I like your approach where you think, okay, um, this is what I'm working on. This this is my goal. This is my direction. But I don't know what's going to happen in six months or a year or two or three. This is what I want to happen. You probably have something in mind, but because you're you're not invested so much on on the plan uh, of how things are going to happen you're very flexible on, on, on how you react to reality and then make things happen. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's a, that's a very uh, introspective way of uh, looking at things. And uh, uh, clearly we've, you've mentioned why, why you chose the, uh, yeah, I should say, program. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's another thing. Maybe I should elaborate on this. Yeah, sure. Back in 2014, when I was in Singapore, I was actually considering um, applying for an MBA program, and I actually wanted to get into Ashesar. I did my GMAT classes, and I got a score, but then I put aside those plans about my MBA studies. Uh, the reason why I was surrounded by graduates um, at Egan Center from Harvard Business School, London Business School, my close friends graduated from INSEAD and other schools, and I found that this degree is not probably what I'm looking for. And then I was not ready to put uh, forward a big chunk of money, and then I wouldn't be working for uh, one, one from one to two years. And I also felt that I would need um, another hands-on experience probably in-house and that's it i sort of i put on the shelf my uh, plans to study years mm -hmm. later last year i was actually browsing through programs at ashesay i i saw this program i liked very much the content that sparked up my interest so much so i called them actually i found out more about the program and i realized that i was just ready for this program, this is exactly what I wanted. So I was just a, just a few days late to apply um, in December. No, no, yeah, for December intake, it was I think around November last year. Hmm. But I was, I still had a lot of time uh, to be ready for this uh, for this year June intake, and so I submitted all the documents, everything, and earlier February. I got a positive um, uh, response from the school, so actually I was admitted. So I was quite happy, and so far I have no no regrets about this program. I think this is just the right program for me. This is exactly what I wanted, and I think there was a uh, it was good to wait for that for about five years. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So here's here's a random question for you. Sure. To completely change career paths what would you do if you were just to have an, a complete pivot now from what you've always been doing? Well, that's a very good question. Um, 
Yeah, just well, for the listener something. to know, uh, I, you, you haven't prepared for this. I did not share the question. Yeah. <laughs> the spot, so. I think I would do something either in the domain of arts, um, probably around painting. Well, I studied painting for five years and it's still um, sort of sitting somewhere deep inside of me. I would like mm -hmm. to go back to that. Or given that I grew up in the provincial part of Russia, um, surrounded by beautiful nature, doing something in, in a countryside um, could be a, I don't know, a countryside vacation. Painting uh, in the countryside. I, yeah, it could be like this combination of words. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. We, we, we're drawing now an artist out of you, the, the part that you were hiding. So, uh, do you still paint? Um, shame on me not. <laughs> well, it's just, I feel the time inspiration is not here yet. So I, I have a good feeling that it will eventually come maybe in a, in a few years time. <laughs> well, there's this quote by uh, Vincent van Gogh. He says, if you hear a voice within you say, you cannot paint, then by all means paint, and that voice will forever be silenced. Uh, <laughs> along these lines. So uh, just paint and the inspiration will come. Yeah, maybe I should just, com uh, once I complete this degree, and uh, I'll be just ready for that. <laughs> well, do keep us posted on, on your progr progress, you know. I, I bet everyone would, would want to see those paintings come up. Sure. Perfect. And uh, now talking about books, novels, any, any uh, authors in particular, any genre in particular? Yeah, well, um, I like discovering new authors and interesting enough that um, I've recently discovered Haruki Murakami. Well, I've heard of him, uh, but I didn't hear, I didn't read a lot of uh, his books and it was discovered, I think, in the last couple of years um, and I read quite a number of his books. I started with one Q84 and then Norwegian, Wood and Sputnik Sweetheart. Um, it was quite interesting. Um, so this is something that I could recommend uh, mm. to my heart. Um, another thing, again, um, uh, I was recently rereading Tolstoy, Dostoevsky yeah. and Chekhov. And I can tell you that I was not ready for these books when they were included in my uh, program at school. Mm. Uh, maybe because of the... I think no one is. Life experience, yeah. Mm. Um, when I was recently rereading them, it just, it came to me uh, completely different. In a different light, I would say. So I really appreciated that. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Yes, I, I agree. I've, I mean, they they are a bit uh, dense. Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, uh, very dense materials, and but very enlightening. And I think they should be required reading for uh, for everyone. Um, I would add to them. Um, say, uh, George Orwell, uh, American author, the British author, I'm not sure. 
Yeah, that, that, uh, that's true. Another book that I would probably suggest uh, to my cohort is um, it's called um, Guns, Germs and Steel. Uh, quite interesting book by um, Jared Diamond. Um, I've heard of this book, but I, yeah, I didn't yeah. get quite to it. Um, it's, it's very much about um, sort of humans, uh, movements of humans over the centuries hmm. and lost thousands of years. So it's quite interesting from many perspectives and aspects. It's about geography, psychology, and a bit of science, and also to some extent, I think, related to um, development of maybe of economies, to some extent. Uh, have you read uh, *Sapiens* by Yuval Noah Harari? It's, it's all, it also goes along the, the lines of the book that you described, but more mm, more about. No, the... I haven't. Well, but it rings a bell. Uh, it's uh, it's also one of those books that that leaves you uh, a bit confused for a while. Uh, these are the important books. Wonderful. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you uh, end this talk um, with any message that you'd like to share with, with the cohort and possibly with. Uh, with our colleagues in general at the MSIE program. Um, what would you say? As we've just started, I'm actually very much excited um, to get in touch with everyone in person. And um, one suggestion that I'm going to post on, on Slack that somehow to work out maybe a way where we can get together um, on live Zoom meetings monthly or even bi-weekly. And then it's good um, to do more knowledge sharing and experience sharing. And I'm always open um, to share my experience. And if someone wants to know something related to my um, sort of expertise and experience. Um, and I'm looking forward to working and partnering with all of you on, on projects in the future. And I'm really hoping that um, out of this experience, um, we can bring some new promising disruptive startups, businesses that will eventually improve state of things that mm. are existing now well, uh, across industries. <laughs> I hope so as well. And I really like that idea uh, of having regular meetings. Uh, you should probably uh, post that uh, soon and uh, let's see how, how things go. I will, I definitely, I promise. Fantastic. All right. So thanks a lot for taking the time for this call and uh, have a great evening. Thanks, Bart. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.